Welcome everybody to the loudest podcast, the loudest podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Asterios Kohnos. With us, as always, is Sarantia. Hey, fuckers. All right, now, we had just recorded a big, long opening about how Bo the Sheep left a seven-minute voicemail for us. Yeah, what the fuck? I thought that was comedy gold. No, it was great. It was great. But you reminded me of something else because you said that someone else called it about Will Smith, and I forgot that Will Smith issued perhaps the most important Apology of the week of all time. This is literally what Prep Boy Rick said on the phone. Is like, Will Smith did an apology. Are you guys going to do an apology of the week? So big credit to you guys are on the same wavelength. Yeah. Uh, uh, Prep Boy Rick, thank you for bringing that up. Both the sheep, thank you for leaving apparently what was a seven-minute long voicemail that Sarasha, she's so proud of how torturously bad it is that she's, quote, saving it for her birthday episode to annoy her fiancé with. Now, I... I said, quote, is that a direct quote? Uh, Bo the Sheep, let's have a little talk. Let's have a little sidebar, you and me. Asterios isn't listening right now. Just you and me can hear each other, Bo the Sheep. Okay, first of all, I'm going to do a compliment sandwich, all right? First of all, I love Delicious! Hey, Asterios, you're not listening. This is just me and Bo the Sheep right now, okay? okay? If you're not Bo the Sheep, please turn this podcast off. Um, Bo the Sheep, first of all, love your enthusiasm. Love it so much. I like how you consistently, like, you do not give up, damn it. (laughs) You call in a lot and you do not give up. And I love that persistence. Um, the middle, the meat of the sandwich is usually where we get to the criticism part. Dude, I can't play seven minutes of voicemail. I'm sorry. I can tell how enthusiastic you are and how good it is and like how good it is to you is what I meant to say, I guess. But yeah, no, I really liked he did call in and leave a big long voicemail about his top 10 favorite things, which I did ask people to do. You directly, at, no, you asked people to leave their top 100 thing. Yes. Remember when I told you people should probably just leave one to three things and then you demanded they leave as many as possible and now Bull the Sheep listens to you does what you want and here you are criticizing them on the loudest podcast in front of hundreds of thousands of people according to Nathan Madry who is now Nathfeld. Nathfield. Is it that's how it said? Nathfeld or Nathfield? No, it's Nathfield because Garfield, Nathfield. You're right. I was wrong. Nathfield. I was scrolling through Nathfield's uh, Twitter thing mm-hmm. the other day. Not Twitter. What's it called? Instagram. Instagram. Instagram's yeah. the one that I'm not banned on. You have to go to the Nathfield on Instagram. Follow our boy. Uh, I don't get what Nathfield does because Nathfield, I'm going to read you. I'm going to go ahead and just read the caption of a post. Okay. Just a random one. And let's let's work together and see if we can figure out what the fuck the Nathfield is. And now while you're pulling this up, so Nathfield is a cartoon cat that looks suspiciously like Garfield. But instead, it's got like Garfield's face. But it's wearing that orange suit that Nathan always wore. This is Nathan's like end run around not having the rights to Garfield anymore. He made his own OC donut steal. Is what is it? It is it is satire. Or it's not satire. Uh, not satire. It is an original character. Nathan Field original character. Uh, not a parody. <laughs> right. <laughs> not right, a meme. Right. Uh, okay, we have here. Nathan Field is catty, sassy, and charming in his orangey superpower suit, ready to clean up this catastrophic world. And the one before it says, like, baby boomers ruined the world. Does Nathan Field kill baby boomers? Because if he does, like, that's pretty based. I will take everything I've ever said back about Nathan Masri if his original character, Nathan Field, just kills baby boomers. Nathan Field seems to blame boomers for the death of our world, which is... The only, I mean, that's true. Nathan has finally said something accurate. Now, 
literally two days ago, Nathan caught COVID-19 and said it was, quote, worse than sarin gas on Twitter. Oh, shit, he did. I'm blocked on his Twitter. Did he really say that? Let me pull it up. Okay, now I've had to browse through quite a few tweets to get to the one I'm talking about. Oh, no. uh, for example, I've had to browse through one that says, Mondays are boring when you don't have an engaging idea. Today is the triumphs event for the first time. Don't know what that means. There's a tweet here that says, love me, feed me, don't leave me, even if I come CBS slash Nickelodeon <laughs> left me. Meow. Again, Garfield doesn't meow or say meow. Maybe Nathan Field does. Oh, here we go. Nathan Masry says, I tested, it was all caps, I tested positive for COVID-19 today for the first time in two years. I'm shivering in pain and not fun. All my lovers, it was worse than sarid gas. It was COVID-19, something they can use for warfare. Dangerous. Discord fans know my news first. Well, glad he's promoting the Discord while promoting a dangerous conspiracy theory that COVID-19 is a man-made bioweapon that's worse than sarin gas. My favorite part of this is the implication that Nathan has indeed felt the effects of sarin gas. <laughs> he has a reference level to compare it to. Uh, yeah, Nathan, I think I had COVID. It wasn't that bad. Yeah, Nathan, why don't you fill a paper bag with sarin gas and take a big whiff off that? And then why don't you get a flu for a couple of days and see how you feel. Right, Nathan, this is exactly like what my dad told me. What you need is three pack of cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> and every day you need to go through half a pack. And by the, It's like a diet. It's like a crash diet. Like at the end of it, like the magical leak soup diet. At the end of it, you'll be fucking insulated from all sarin gas and bioweapons. You won't need to worry. You could just traipse on into Chernobyl like nothing happened. <laughs> the magical leak soup diet. Yeah, I heard about that on Emily in Paris. And I Googled it immediately. And because there is a, one of the clients, spoilers for Emily in Paris, one of the clients on season two is a company that manufactures, not manufactures, like grows and markets leaks. Okay. Like the leak that you'd put in a soup. And the bitchy uh, Meryl Streep wannabe character is like, well, what if we marketed it leaks as sexy? Because, you know, the famous magic leak soup. And Emily's like, what the fuck is that? And the, Sylvie, the bitchy uh, office lady is like, oh, yeah, it's our little secret. We drink it when we need to shed a couple pounds all you do is like drink leak soup for a couple days and it flushes all the toxins out and emily's like i don't know if we should be telling women that they need to change their bodies and i'm only six episodes through the season so i'm sure at the end of this the the, the leak people were learn a very positive lesson about a body image from the french <laughs> isn't the whole point of emily in paris that emily's always wrong at first no, she knows everything at first always. Everybody else around her is wrong. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Because somebody tells me that she's going to end up eating this leek soup and then going to a party and looking amazing in the finale. Well, Lily Collins is already skinny as a fucking rail, so I don't know what else we could do about that. Yeah, I don't want to hear Lily Collins talk about weight ever. Shut the fuck. She got even skinnier in season two. Right. I hate it. Like, this Netflix show is not progressive enough to have a plot where uh, Lily dives into anorexia or an eating disorder or something. Man, by the way, pro tip, pro tip. If you have an eating disorder, as long as you have, like, a fun name for it, nobody gives a shit. Like, I stopped calling it restricting and started calling it intermittent fasting. And now it's like... <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, I'm not cutting an entire group of fear foods out of my diet. It's called keto. Fuck you. Did you say fear foods? Yeah, fear foods. I've never heard that either. That Although, a- it makes me think of a bunch of little foods dressed up like Dracula, the Frankenstein, the werewolf, 
the kind of things that you buy, like you like put a dollar worth of quarters in at the grocery store, all of a sudden you get Leakula? <gasps> Wait, is that what they're going to end up doing on Emily in Paris? Leakula? Because it like sucks the fat out of your stomach? Yeah, Leakula and then the leak uh, vampire that feeds on leaks and not humans develops an eating disorder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no! Well, anyway, Nathan Masry, once again, somehow still wrong about COVID-19 years later. Like, we all stopped talking about it. We all just gave up on it. And you're still bringing up the sarin gas thing, Nathan. Really? Right. Nathan, like, just, I can't believe we all just forgot that Nathan <laughs> accused COVID of being like a man-made bioweapon or something. But Nathan Masry is right. If Nathfield hates boomers, that's a good thing. Like, usually Nathan makes bad things, like pizza that doesn't taste good, a bunch of hot dogs that he made for like a couple of months. He gave up on those hot dogs so fast. What the fuck happened to our vegan Scooby-Doo eats? Yes! We fucking got him in a, one of those live streams that he does. I don't know why, but he, we were like, when's the vegan food coming? Like, as a joke. And he was like, no, we have plans for that. And there is going to be vegan steaks at Scooby-Doo eats. I guess all that is... Fucked. Yeah, what the? I, I, I can't believe Garfield Eats was around for years. I mean, kind of, in a way. It was in our hearts. It was in our years. hearts for years. That Scooby Doo Eats thing wasn't around. How do you license Scooby Doo for like seven months? Really? He does not give a shit anymore. It's like that thing that everybody says about fast fashion. Like, Scooby Doo Eats was here so, uh, here and gone so quickly that we didn't even get a chance to process it in our psyches yet. But man, Nathan, let me tell you, you might be onto something here. I don't know what they're telling you in that Discord, but uh, Nathan Field's goal, instead of clapping back against trolls, which I have a feeling that. That might be what it would be. Just kill boomers on the street. Yeah, no, you will. You, that you will claim the title of base as fuck. I will deem myself perma cringe, and you perma Chad. If Nathan Field kills boomers in Minecraft, it's good. That's it's a good really product. good. That's a good product. Hey, actually, speaking of products, okay, we did not plan on talking about Nathan. Today, yeah, what the fuck? But um, there's two more things. One is. You know about those try-ups seminars Nathan had? Tell me everything. I saw the page and it was like, you start up. No, we like try-up. We like dumping a ton of other people's money into something. You know, just give it a shot. <laughs> That's what everybody does, right? Is they don't think. You don't think. You go in your closet, you get your bag of money, and you just dump. <laughs> you, you take your shit in your hands and you wrap a couple hundred dollar bills from your dad and you throw it at the wall. And if you do that enough times, something will stick. That's how Amazon came to be. That is how Amazon came to be. Because the guy that started Amazon was from a rich family, got a bunch of money from his dad. Um, yeah, so Nathan is having these like seminars that you can buy. I think it's like a $50 ticket to. But... If you're in the Discord, you get a discount. The one day I popped into Nathan's Discord, I saw the discount code. I was like, oh, please, somebody. Do exactly one person, please go to this. Like, take one. <laughs> do not give Nathan money. The one person agree to take it for the team and record it, and it'll be funny. Yeah, so Nathan was, like, selling tickets to some seminar where he would teach you, like, business secrets, and you would get to, like, pitch him ideas and... It was like a startup incubator, but over Zoom, but only Nathan, but somehow on Discord, but I don't know if anyone went. Do you know if anyone went? I sure as shit hope they didn't. 
Okay, something that I tried to set up a long time ago and then totally forgot about is all of Nathan's Discord mods also listen to the loudest podcast. They sure do. And a lot of them are also our Discord mods. I want to set up like a roundtable discussion because these Discord mods... They are going crazy in there. They are constantly like suggesting. So Nathan was upset that like he lost the license to Garfield. Nathan was like, we need to start a hashtag to like bring to attention the plight of like licensors who are suddenly like disconnected from the property that they license. Nathan, and there are Ukrainian children disconnected from their parents. <laughs> And so the hashtag the Discord kids gave him, they were like, what about hashtag LLM, License or Lives Matter? And he was like, that's a great idea. No. And then he just started tweeting a bunch of stuff about License or Lives Matter. Because these Discord kids kept egging him on. You guys are great. You guys are so funny. I think they're teenagers. I'm just going to guess that all you are teenagers. You guys are so much funnier than I was as a teenager. This is great. This sounds like a perfect series to do uh, while I'm fighting the war again. Oh, yeah. Because what is this country you go to again? Indonesia. All right. Yeah. You're going to Indonesia. What? At the end of May? Yeah. End of May. For all right. Day. That's when we'll do it. Kids, you're listening. Let's schedule this thing for the end of May. Yeah. We'll pay you. Yeah, we'll pay. Yes, we will pay you to come on and talk about Nathan. All right, well, what was the second thing I was going to bring up? Oh, he apparently gave like a tell-all interview the other day where he was like, I'm finally telling the truth about where the money came <gasps> from. Where did it come from? Let's find out right after this. All right, Rancho. I'm realizing uh, we have talked so much about Nathan Madry and we have so much more to talk about. That, like, I, I promised people that I would do some of my top 100 things this week. We got to tease them. Uh, yeah, exactly. We're just going to give you a couple of the top 100 things, and we're going to go right back to the Maz reverse. Rancho, just pick a number between one and 100. Uh, 63. Eating deli meat straight out of the fridge. What? What? Wait, what? <laughs> what specific type of deli meat? Any of them. Capicole, like salami, uh, roast beef. Haven't you ever just ever just grabbed hunks of meat out of the fridge and just shoved it in your mouth? I mean, I have, but I wouldn't consider that to be one of my shining moments on this earth. <laughs> it's better than eating it in a sandwich. It's like a little secret you have with yourself. I mean, I guess I have other secrets with myself that are like full meals. <laughs> okay, no, not me. All right, well, look, if you weren't won over by eating deli meat straight out of the fridge, maybe you're like number 62. Eating cheese straight out of the fridge. That's a winner. You like that one? That's a winner. Okay. What are your favorite kind of cheeses? Brie. Nailed it. Absolutely. Love brie. Love uh, blue cheese, like the big hunks of it. I yeah. like eating the hunks of mold in particular because they're very salty. You like eating the rinds, I've noticed. I do. I love eating the brie rind, the wax rind. You're not supposed to eat, listener. Love that. We fucking love brie. I could just live off brie cheese. Okay. My favorite kind of cheese is anything sliced. With the little pieces of paper in between them. Because I can just, it will not take me much time at all. Just like bent over, head in the fridge. Just like ripping those pieces out of the thing and eating them. Like that Simpsons uh, clip of him eating 64 slices of American cheese. That's me anytime there's any cheese. Well, that's sad. <laughs> yes, it is. Next one. All right. Number 47. Log flumes. Log flumes. Oh my God, you're on drugs. And I know I was on drugs when I wrote by, but you were on like the drugs. Is this a positive or a negative reaction? What in flumes? the fuck? 
who in the fuck considers a log flume to be fun, let alone one of the heights of the human experience? I like them better than roller coasters because I like when you go down the thing and you get wet. It's like fun because like it's hot at the, at the park. And the other thing about a log flume is they're very story driven. Like a log flume, it's like one big scare. Like a roller coaster is just all scares, all scares. Where's the story? Dazzle me. You know, you can also just like shake me up and down a bunch. Like if you want, you can like I can hang out in a car. You can hit it with a baseball bat and that would make me upset too. I mean, they're the, I think the point of roller coasters and rides in general are not to be scary. They're to be fun. Do you think the point of roller coasters is not to be scary? Not- you know how often they, they advertise roller coasters where they're like, it goes 200 miles an hour. It snaps your neck into eight pieces. The Killinator. It's not supposed to scare you. The prospect of like, what does it feel to be going straight down <laughs> from the sky is supposed to be what draws you in. I think they're fun. I don't think they're scary. They're thrill rides thrills are scary and i feel thrilled and not scared i'm thrilled i was thrilled by the lovely performance of wicked that i saw at broadway the other uh, month i was not scared of it <laughs> okay that's true i was thrilled by hamilton not scared of them you're, okay you're making some good points ah the skylar sisters <laughs> i'm terrified number 44 Watching a movie on an airplane. Oh, that's a classic. Like oh, my it? God. Not particularly watching a movie, but there is, I think that would be in my top 30, is like when you get on an airplane and you sit down and there's like an acceptable selection of like TV shows and movies and you have like nothing to do except chill out and ignore the screaming child next to you. Oh, yeah. You can just go to sleep whenever you want. It's great. Yeah. Airplane movies. Uh, that's the first one I think I hard agree with you. I like it because it's like, look, I'm probably not going to see Spider-Man 3. Like, I'm probably not. Like, I could watch it right now. Like, uh, there are four different, your phone, my phone, this computer, that TV. There's four different vectors to watch Spider-Man 3. Like, I haven't seen it yet. If I was on an airplane, I'd be like, yeah, this, I will now watch Spider-Man 3. Something about being on an airplane makes the easier like the time co- oh i think it's because you're stuck yeah because you got nothing else to do you got nothing else to do it's like there's something about watching a movie that is like scary to us as consumers which is like why netflix now has that option where they're like if you push a button we'll just play something because it's like we get like anxiety about committing two hours to a thing yeah on a plane what else are you gonna do go in and get drunk fall asleep i'm like yeah you could do that and watch the movie i uh oh. The worst experience. And let me tell you, if you've ever been on an airplane that has no movie selections, that's fucking hell. Like, if you're a long-ass trip at one time, I was flying a fucking, I think it was American Airlines, and they had one movie playing, and you had to, like, hook your headphones to the seat to listen to, like, Moana. It's like, what is this, goddamn 1975? No, give me my little screen. I want to watch, I want to watch three episodes of of Community from five and a half years ago. Yeah. And only those three episodes. I would watch Community on an airplane. (laughs) I've seen every episode of Community. I like them. I'm not going to just watch it in my day-to-day. I have, like, I have both Who and Netflix on my phone. I'm sure it's on both. I'm not watching it. I will watch it on an airplane. Right. I'll watch pretty much anything on an airplane because um, when I'm sitting here and I, like, am watching, I don't know, Community or The Office, I feel like I'm wasting my time. You can watch anything you want at the gym or on an airplane and you don't need to feel bad about it. Yeah. All right, look, maybe you'll like my number six if you like this one. Okay. 
Number six, now the top 100 things, listening to a podcast on the bus. <laughs> Tell me more. Okay, well, it's like the bus sucks. Smells like pee. There's someone else's elbow in your face. The driver's weird. You're, pr- you're, like, you're probably going to get stuck on the side of the road. Like, the bus is hell. Like a, it's the, that's like when we need podcasts the most. Like something about like, oh, there's a new episode of the Flop House. Like, oh, there's a new episode of Busted Open. Like, there's a new episode of My Brother, My Brother, and Me. I'm going to save it for this bus. Like, it's like an absolute lifesaver on the bus. Yeah, I mean, I don't agree specifically that podcasts are the ideal form of entertainment on the bus, but we do need, we do indeed need entertainment for public transportation. All right, maybe you'll like this next one, okay? If I got you with the airplane one, how about okay. number 15, getting a late fee refunded. Yes, that's a good one. It's like heroin. It's like a shot of heroin. Right. All you got to do, it's a cheat code, is you got to call in and complain about it, and usually they just refund you. I'm older, and like, look, $35 is not, I'm not going to be homeless because of $35, but oh my God, when I get that $35 back, all I think about is all, it's like, oh my God, I could put that away for retirement. Oh, I, I could buy, I could buy a bunch of toys with that. Oh, that, that's like a, a that's like a nice meal out at the all you can eat sushi, but it's like $35 suddenly becomes like the most important amount of dollars in the world when you think it's gone. And when it comes back to you, it's like the prodigal $35 has returned. We missed you $35. We love you, $35. We couldn't have done it without you, $35. And by it, I mean all-you-can-eat sushi. <laughs> I love all-you-can-eat sushi. Number nine, dogs running in their sleep. Oh, that's good. That's good. It's not definitely not top 10, but that I think is worthy of the top 100. Dogs doing anything in their sleep is funny as fuck. I know. I love, but it's like a, spe- but specifically running. They really think they're running. Right. And they twitch. And it's really, really cute. I know. You ever have that thing where you're about to fall asleep and then you quickly move your legs? Just that like you do. Voluntarily? I yeah. hate that. I hate it so much. It makes me feel like I'm falling. <laughs> oh, no, you poor thing. Here's my number four. Out of the top 100 things of all time ever, number four, when a line of ducks blocks a whole road and there's just like people on each side in their cars and everyone's like, oh my God, we do all have to stop for this. Yeah, that's the perfectly placed item. That's perfect. That's better than anything else I've heard of on this list. Wow, that is great. You did it in a serious. Okay, look, I didn't know it was shit on each other's list. I'm not shitting you on shit. You've been consistently shitting on my list. Well, I'm not right now. Okay, well, that's true. You're not right now. When you see a whole line of ducks cross the road, it's like maybe the only moment where we, like, as a society, like, outside of, like, shitty Instagram posts from shittier people, go, like, there are some things more important than where I have to go right now. It's okay if I'm late to work. It's okay if I'm late to the movies. What's more important is this line of ducks, this mama duck, and these 30-odd babies. Okay, how many babies do these moms... Some of these moms have a lot of baby ducks, and each one makes the moment... More special and sweet and incredible. And they sometimes they walk in a little crowd and sometimes they walk in a line. <laughs> sometimes one of them like falls down a little bit. Yeah, sometimes they go so fast that they don't have total control over their legs yet. So they fall forward and they have to get back up and keep running. And they have to do that thing where they take three quick steps to, like catch to keep pace. Yeah. Oh, it's so cute. Oh, so pure. I want one. I want a duck walk. 
Here's my number three. All right, I'm going to press my luck here. All right. No, the number three thing. Remember, you got to top ducks in a line. <laughs> I think I can. This is the number three of the top 100 things. When you think your computer is broken, but then the next day you turn it on and it has somehow fixed itself. Oh, that's good. Because when your computer's broken, like, especially with Macs, like, there's this special kind of face a Mac makes. It's like a, I'm not kidding. It's like a frowny face. It's a little square. It looks like the old Mac from, like, the 90s, like the ones you had, like, a computer lab. And it's frowning. And when you see that, it means, like, you are fucked. Take this <laughs> to the Mac store. You're going to have to talk to a guy with, like, a lot of tattoos and, like, a bunch of, like, weird lines shaved in his beard. And he's going to explain to you that it's, quote, Probably cheaper to buy a new computer. Yeah, that's the only thing they're allowed to tell you is that it's cheaper to buy a new computer. You're going to get that speech. So, like, so, you know, and the thing is, like, you're you're turning on your computer, you have something to do. Like, you've got a paper to write or you've got to go to work or something, and then it doesn't work and you immediately see, like, $1,000, dollars $2,000 gone. And you start to think, like, uh, where am I going to find I'm going to have to put this on a credit card. Yeah. Or something. Like, what the fuck am I going to do? And then you're just like, ah, all right, tomorrow I'll take it to the Mac store. You turn it on and you hear that, like, uh, that Macs have. Oh, God, yes, yes. That That is so, I've had so many moments like that where you just wake up and then you turn it back on or you restart it and it actually works. And you're like, oh, thank Christ. Yeah, exactly. And then you do that thing where like you quickly like email yourself every important file and like back up everything. You're just like, oh, like, like I have a very limited time. It's, it's kind of like if someone's like sent into the past with like 12 hours to stop 9-11. Right, you have like exactly 15 minutes of enhanced energy and then you just completely forget that it happened. We're like, all right, now that I've sent a couple of important emails to myself and nothing like this will ever happen again. I better not buy a new, start planning to buy a new computer. Yeah, let's see what's going on on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, people are, people are uh, mad at Elon Musk for some reason. Okay. And then your computer shits a brick and you're like, how could this happen? <laughs> Number 75, going through a car wash. Going through a car wash? Going through a car wash. Meh. I'm very, I'm very meh on car washes. You don't like going through a car wash? I don't think it's a magical experience. Do you have a very dirty car? Do you not wash your car? I, I mean, I don't. The rain does that. <laughs> have you been through a car wash? I have been to multiple car washes. I remember being enchanted by it as a child. I don't think I'd do it again. Well, you tell me more about how you feel about car wash. No, it seems like you know how I feel about car washes. You're just not that super into them. Maybe your you big brushes, they apply the hot wax. Do you know that thing? Do you know that thing where like your whole windshield's like all fucked up, and you're like, "How? Oh no! Like, like what's what's gonna happen? There's so much water in the windshield." And then you go through that super dryer, and it's like, "There's not a spot on this thing." I saw an R slash well that sucks post of a guy in a car. It was like the there was a metal arm that was like slap a broom or something on the windshield to scrub it, and it did that, but it ended up smashing the windshield. <laughs> Then all the guys, the guy's interior of his car is covered in soap and glass. Okay, well, that does <laughs> suck. But that's one of the things I like where, like, the thing just goes like, whoa. It's like going through the Death Star or something going through a car wash. It's unique. It's $7 of fun. You don't like going through a car wash. Not anymore, bro. It's like $20 now. I, have, like, I haven't had a car in a long time. <laughs> all right. How about this? Number two on my list. Oh, Seeing a young person fuck up and then in your head going, oh, I used to do that. Oh, no. And then you find that you find that uh, one of the best things and not one of the worst things. 
I find it one of the best because I'm like, look how far I've come. I'm not doing that. And you have like the opportunity to tell that young person like you fucked up. But instead, because like you're older and you've been there, you're like, yep, I've been there. That does suck. There's just some. It's like it's like cats in the cradle, but in the best way possible. So you don't have time to make your dad's mistakes because your dad's telling you you fucked up. What are you talking about? Or no, no. It's it's that like you've made your dad's mistakes. You're like ah, that's what dad was talking about. Oh, that's kind of cute. You don't think that's the number two thing? I don't think it's number two. Number two is very high. You put that above ducks. You realize that? It, there's something amazing about it. Like when you see like a young person like freaking out. About something, and you're like, I used to freak out about that. Or like when you see like a young person like arguing with somebody like at the Walmart, and you're like, I imagine I would have argued about that 20 years ago, but now I'm older, I'm in a different place. And you're like, I get why you're doing this, but I'm also kind of proud of myself that I no longer do this. Right, and you know not to do it. (laughs) But you're also like, I'm also kind of living vicariously through you having done this. Oh yeah, no, I'm connecting 100% to what's happening here. But yeah, no, I I agree with you. I have, I don't think I've had, I don't think every adult gets that though. Well, I think you gotta be old. You gotta be like, not old, old, because like my parents never got that. Like I'm convinced that my parents just came out of the womb as, not my parents, my mom. Because my mom used to like, I remember when I was a teenager, my mom like flipping a tit over things that I like objectively know do not matter right now and would not have had any effect. Like, for example, at one point, uh, I the way my school was set up, that like I would, I, the school would make your schedules, right? Yeah. So you'd be like when you have math class first in the morning. And so the way that my schedule was set up was I had study hall first thing in the morning, which fuck Fuck you. If you're not an American teenager, study hall is basically you just sit in a room where there is no class occurring and just do whatever you want as long as it's homework or a book and not your cell phone. And then second class was this marketing class that I took where I shit you not, we just watched episodes of The Apprentice over and over again. Like you you did not need to be present in that class to be able to like fill out the busy work that was assigned to us. So obviously- Wait, was some of that busy work like- should Mr. Trump have fired Meatloaf? If no, explain why. Yes, it was seriously shit like that. It would be like, who got fired from this episode? Why did Carrie get fired? Oh, because she didn't uh, aggressively sell the M&M candy bars too hard. Like, it's just something where you could walk in five minutes before class, the next class, be like, hey, did you do the price worksheet yesterday? Yeah. Can I borrow it? Sure. Can, wait, can I just say one more thing? I'm so sorry. Yeah. Here's what I would have written on that homework. The M&M candy bars sell themselves. <laughs> it's everything you want and more. It's M&M's in like a delicious portable form. Like if Carrie, Carrie, if you can't sell M&M candy bars, you have no place at the Trump organization. I would remember I have a very weird specific memory of watching one specific episode of The Apprentice during this class where they were trying to hawk candy bars like on the street of New York. And this one girl was like getting desperate and she realized she's going to lose this challenge. And she goes up to somebody on the road. It's like, hey, I'll take my skirt off if you buy a candy bar from me. And the guy's like, yeah, sure. I'm like, what? <laughs> Who would say yes to that? And then I remember she lost, even though she sold the most candy bars, because the, what was it like? Trump's assistant was like, that's, "That's just not the behavior we want in the Trump organization." It's she didn't win. She didn't sell the least, but she didn't win, and they did fire her because they were like, "We're selling you. We told you to sell the candy bars, not your body." Yeah, like I that. remember this. 
<laughs> it was weird. I watched it in school, which was weirder. Anyway, I digress. The point of this story is that both of those classes are like 45 minutes long. You don't have to really be there for any of those classes, which is what it's like. So I just learned that I could just come in instead of dragging my ass out of bed at six in the morning. I could drag my ass out of bed at like 730 and then drive to school. And yeah, I would miss the first two periods, but I'd be there for the first one that mattered. So I did that so often that I guess the school sent a letter home to my parents. It was like, Sriracha is doing a thing. <laughs> and we don't like it. Her grades are fine, but we don't like what she's doing. Put a stop to it. And my parents were like, blah, blah, blah. and my mom was like, acting like this was the end of the fucking world. She was having a fucking conniption, acting like they sent a letter being like, uh, Saranja is not graduating. They were like, just totally like, stop doing it. So I didn't stop doing it. I kept doing it of because uh, my mom would leave early in the morning. And after a while, like you, you have your kid drive themselves to school. You can't like, you can't, you can only, there's so many, only so many locks that you can put on that. So I kept doing it. And then at one point the school sent a letter home that was like, Saranja has missed so many consecutive minutes of high school that if she does it four more times, <laughs> she is not going to graduate. And my mom had a fucking, she fucking, no, it wasn't that I wasn't going to graduate. It was that they were going to call the truancy office or something. It wasn't even a direct that They were like, we are going to write a very strongly worded letter to the truancy office about Saranja not attending your fucking apprentice watching class and I was like grounded for so fucking long over that I was to this day I'm like if my kid brought home that letter I would be like yeah what are they gonna do okay (laughs) tell them them send the actual truancy officer down here then we'll have a conversation imagine like explaining to officer Krupke that like that like I'm so glad you're here my daughter is refusing to watch The Apprentice (laughs) she will not go uh, into the school at 7 o'clock in the morning to sit in a room and do nothing oh yeah no she wakes up and then instead of driving to the school she goes downstairs and has a cup of coffee and does her homework (laughs) so god fucking forbid end of the goddamn world no she acted like like this was like I had ruined my entire fucking life when this happened. I this is not a word of over exaggeration. I remember it clears a fucking bell. I remember being punished excessively <laughs> for this. Well, so did you end up going back to apprentice class? Yes. Maybe learning something important. For example, that uh, Arsenio Hall's cupcake bakery marketing plan far outpaced Stephen Baldwin's Little John's or Sean Yazbeck's. I remember being in that class. This was a relic from its time because I remember sitting there thinking, wow, Donald Trump is cool. (laughs) 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 But yeah, no, they won. You win. And I sat through my fucking tenured professor sitting there getting drunk under the desk. (laughs) While we watch? No, that was the psychology teacher, actually. I mean, you could have fooled me. I mean, if all you're doing is watching The Apprentice on television. Yeah, no, she was not a good marketing teacher. Yeah, I don't think she is a good marketing teacher. I learned a very, very, very valuable lesson from this experience, and it was that some things do not matter. Some things are not worth doing. And kids, after you graduate, after you click that magic age of 18, remember, you don't have to do anything. When I went to high school, we were allowed to do that. Like, we could stack study halls at the beginning of the day and then just show up at 11. Like, that was normal. Well, I almost got sent to jail for it. That's terrible. Yikes. All right. One more of the top 100 things. Because you keep rejecting my top 100 things. Well, get better things. (laughs) 
How about you learn to yes and some of my things? Ah, shit. Okay, I'll yes and whatever this is. Number 21, multi-ball. Yes and are you talking about the lottery? Multi-ball. You don't know what multi-ball is? When you're playing pinball and you unlock a multi-ball, oh! and all of a sudden there's like five pinballs all around and like it's playing music and like Captain Picard going like, ready, target, fire at that Klingon vessel. Or like you're playing the Twilight Zone and it's like, imagine a world where you have more than one ball. It's multi-ball. Yeah, no, I thought you were saying multi-ball, like a... Like, well, how would that be the lottery? Multi-ball? That's just a very multi-malted milk ball. You know how every state has their own like lottery thing? Maybe yes. that's the, the and today's multi-ball is four. <laughs> Sick. Yeah, no, I Are agree. Are you with talking you, about the Malta ball, which is Malta's national lottery? Yeah. Because uh -huh. that's 15. I do like what they do. I have very pretty lottery ladies on that show. Thank you for sharing your beautiful list with us. <laughs> you don't like multi-ball. No, I love it. I love it. Well, then what, how about this? How about you maybe say one thing you like about multi-ball? I like multi-ball because I like the additional stress it gives me from playing pinball. Like playing pinball. No, it's the opposite of stress. That, see, that's the thing. I, when I'm playing multi-ball, I'm like, I can relax and have a little bit of fun. And right. maybe go for some of these shots I wouldn't otherwise. Because I got these extra balls as insurance. Because pinball sometimes is fucky-wucky, where you would like, there's no way to avoid. The side the gutters. Yes. I know. Uh-huh. I, the th okay, the thing, oh, actually, this was something I almost put on my list, too. I just remembered it now. When... The pinball goes down the middle or it goes through the side gutters, but it's so early in your pinball ball that it's like, play again. Free ball. One. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, not free ball. That's a different thing. You have to earn a free ball. It's when it's like, look, you're clearly six. We'll give you another shot at this ball. Okay. Yeah. No, I know what you're saying. And I agree with you. That's pretty good. Okay. Well, Sriracha, I'm sorry that you hate my list so I much. I didn't hate your fucking list. I love the ducks. You did like the ducks. I love the ducks. Okay, and you did I like think... watching. You did like watching movies on there. Oh airplane. my god, yes. But I you didn't... thought listening to a podcast on the bus was lame. I did. Well, but you did like eating cheese out of the fridge. Oh fuck yeah! But you thought eating meat out of the fridge was lame. Yeah, it's wet. And you didn't like log flumes either. I hated them. What the hell? These are the best things. <laughs> Well, all right. Now back to the Nathan Masry part. Of yeah, show. whatever. <laughs> so this article was published in something called Mel Magazine. Oh, excellent. And it's called Love Me, Feed Me, Never Leave Me, The Strange Saga of the World's Greatest Garfield Restaurateur. Um, it looks like a real article from like a real journalist. Written by a human being that is not named Nathan Masry. Right, or like <laughs> someone from Kiwi Farms or someone from our Discord. <laughs> um, I'm gonna jump through it, like, but just to kind of give you a taste of it, like it opens with like, Nathan Masry prefers to step out in his signature suit. Oh, does he ever? It's perfectly tailored with crisp lapels, a snappy vest, and a spotless corresponding pocket square. It's the kind of uniform you'd see in a boardroom or high-end cigar club, except it's bright orange. Garfield orange, to be specific. With feline whiskers tastefully sewn into the cuffs, the slick getup brings a new connotation to the term cat suit. And that's how you know it's a real article. It's not very good. 
Like, this was clearly written by someone who's like being paid $150 by the article to just like crap this stuff out. I mean, they did crap it out, but it's good that Nathan chose to go the route of hiring someone this time and not just be like, Garfield Eats was most beloved restaurant with over 1 million visitors every day. Fans around the world outraged over greedy landlord, <laughs> greedy Viacom CBS, hashtag LLM. Like, that would be a Nathan article. This one at least kind of has a cadence and structure, which means it's not Nathan. Yeah, oh, no, it certainly isn't. But you said hired someone? No, this is just a regular-ass journalist interviewing Nathan. Like, this, is, this isn't this is like a Nathan Buff piece. Oh, damn. As you'll soon find out. <laughs> All right. These days, 34-year-old Nathan Masry doesn't have many chances to wear the suit. The old train doesn't run by here much anymore. He commissioned it in 2018 to celebrate the launch of Garfield Eats, his now-memified lasagna restaurant concept. The restaurant shuttered in 2020, and Viacom CBS yanked Masri's Garfield licensing rights in late 2021. Now, without his orange suit, Masri is frustratingly hard to classify. <laughs> At first glance, he's all business jargon and big ideas, but upon further inspection, he doesn't quite fit the fast-talking, swaggering entrepreneur prototype. He's eccentric, but certainly no more so than any other mega capitalist. He doesn't have a hint of Mark Zuckerberg's oblivion. He also doesn't have a hint of Mark Zuckerberg's money or success either. <laughs> yeah, I'd say the homeless person out on the street corner that we always pass also has the bravado and uh, <laughs> charisma of uh, Elon Musk. But there's something separating the two, and I can't put my finger on what. Masri has the air of a preoccupied person hiding their anxiety behind a pearly white smile. Ouch. Ouch. Uh, here we are, paragraph <laughs> two. Already the knives are out. He's wound tight, every inch of him pulled taut, as he tries to hide the fact that he cares very deeply about what you think. He is a personality that attracts rabid fans and vitriolic trolls all at once. More than anything, Masri represents the perils of merging capitalism and identity in the social media age. Okay, I don't know that this is a teachable moment. He's a crazy guy who used some money to buy Garfield and opened a restaurant we all thought was bad. Yeah, guys, I got news for you. Sometimes crazy people have a little bit of money, and most of the times they know enough to not plaster themselves all over the internet with their stupid fucking ideas, but this guy just doesn't. Yeah. Born in Montreal, Masri was shuttled between Canada, Saudi Arabia, and Dubai as his investment banker father explored a number of business ventures, including several international fast food franchises. So here's the first bit of news from this article. Oh. Garfield Leeds was certainly anything but ordinary. Masri worked with investor Pascal Hyder to fund the first location, which opened in Dubai in 2018. Oh, yeah. Did you see that he's now blaming Pascal Hyder? Wait, what? For the huge shit show. Somebody sent me some screenshots of... Thank you. Big shout out to everybody who sends me screenshots of Nathan's Twitter. I am banned <laughs> from it. <laughs> and I'm also on a block on my Twitter, so I can't like work around it very easily. So big shout out to all y'all. Yeah, no, he was like, Pascal Hyder's a freaking uh, moron. He does blame Pascal Hyder for this, I know. See, I always thought that this was his dad's money. He fooled someone else into paying for this? I mean, I don't know the full story. I'm hoping that this will give us more context, but I'm still convinced that this is his dad's money. 
Garvey Leach was a trailblazer in several respects. It was a ghost kitchen before ghost kitchens were a thing. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was never a fucking ghost kitchen. It was a place that just delivered. It was a pizza delivery place. Right, and that's also not what a fucking ghost kitchen is. It's just a kitchen that's poor. A ghost kitchen does not mean a kitchen that is ill-staffed. <laughs> <laughs> it means a restaurant pretending to be another restaurant. This is just a poorly run pizza place. Yeah, just for listeners who don't know, ghost kitchens are where Mr. Beast's burgers come from. The idea is there's just a kitchen and anyone can like, I don't know, rent out time and cooks to like make the thing and then Uber Eats will pick it up. It's a kitchen without a restaurant. It's a kitchen for a digital only restaurant. Yeah, no, this is kind of important because I feel like people outside of major cities might not actually know what this is. If you live in a major city, sometimes you will go on like Grubhub or something and you'll see a bunch of restaurants that you've never heard of in your entire life. Like, I don't know, healthy juice, fuck you bar. Well, there is no healthy juice fuck you bar on your block, kids. What's actually happened is some bodega somewhere <laughs> has a kitchen in it and decided it had, that it wants to go on Grubhub and market itself as, okay, yeah, we're a shithole local bodega, but we're also fuck you juices. So when you order it from a restaurant that you've never heard of, it's probably coming from another restaurant acting as a ghost kitchen. This is not what I... No! Garfield Eats was never a ghost kitchen. No, it's certainly because that would imply that the food made in the Garvey Leeds kitchen was so good <laughs> that someone else would want to put their name on it and deliver it to people. Oh, wait, I understand. It's a ghost kitchen because it killed people. <laughs> well, there you go. All right. It's a ghost kitchen because it killed people's <laughs> taste buds. <laughs> Because the customers were ghosts. Right, yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, see, I have another point of contention. I have another um, bone to pick here. Yeah. Okay, what he's trying to spin, or what this author is trying to spin, is that Nathan and Pascal opened Garfield Eats in Dubai, and then subsequently, why did they expand to Canada? Because I remember pl- pretty clearly that Nathan would not talk to us about the Dubai location of Garfield Eats, and he was pretty fucking tight-lipped about that. And I'm just saying, if you have a wildly successful business that's operating in another country and you it's so successful that you take that money with this investor and you do it abroad, I don't see why, A, you would close the original franchise because, remember, Garfield Eats Dubai was closed before uh, we visited. Right. Garfield Eats. Am I wrong? Correct no, me if I'm wrong. 100% correct. Because I asked about it and Nathan was like, oh, I don't want to talk right, about like, it. Right, like, we don't talk about it. Right, exactly. Look, so what this article is telling me is that Pascal Hyder funded the Dubai location, but it doesn't say that Pascal Hyder specifically funded the Canada location. Well, where did that money come from? I'm guessing his dad. Yeah, because I, I mean, right. it's pretty hard to raise investment capital for a business that just fucking closed, bro. <laughs> like, um, that's what I'm saying, unless you have some special circumstances that might provide you with access to money that typical people don't have. Or unless Pascal Hyder also funded the Canada location, and it's kind of iffy about that. Um, yeah, I don't think I, I wouldn't do that if I would pass a hider unless he's incredibly stupid. Right. I mean, he is like because he got involved in Nathan Mazur in the first place. Yeah, that's true. Uh, all right. So blah, blah, blah. For a while, things were good. OK, so this is kind of this author is trying to build this story kind of like Goodfellas where it's like and now let's talk about the good times, the swinging times. Things were never good for Garfield Leeds, but it says. For a while, things were good. I had fans flying in from New York, Portugal, Mississippi just to come and see me. That is true. That is true. We came in from New York. Yeah, New York. (laughs) Represent. 
Masri recalls a time that a Garfield fan with autism popped in to introduce himself. That's all of them, actually. Oh, wait. Yeah, loudest podcast meetup. Thanks for the shout out article. I gave them Garfield merch and comic books. Masri insists that Garfield Leeds had more than 127 franchise inquiries during its peak, at which point he was convinced he'd become the next Ronald McDonald. Now, how many of those franchise inquiries came from Adolf Hitler? <laughs> yeah, or uh, what's it called? Seymour Butts. <laughs> Seymour Butts, Adolf Hitler, Bo the Sheep. <laughs> All the classic investors. 2019, Viacom acquired Garfield, forcing Masri to renegotiate the terms of his license. So this is also news. They didn't pull the license. They wanted to renegotiate the terms of it. He probably had a three-year license, and it came up for renewal. And if it's being renegotiated, then Viacom was like, yeah, we're Viacom. We want a lot more money than you gave, like, Jim Davis. In early 2020, COVID-19 hit, leading to the closure of Garfield Leeds Toronto and Masri's highly public dispute with the property owner, the land monster. Yes, land monster. Hyder, Masri's key investor, dropped out. And for every fan eager to greet the Garfield King, there was an internet troll ready to latch onto his eccentric presence, amplified by rambling communications like, quote, this self-published essay, which argues that Garfield is loved by all ages, gender, and race. <laughs> self-published essay? I gotta read this essay. What's oh, Nathan has a ton of those. Like the uh, one about, the, my personal favorite is the one about how Google reviews kills uh, small business owners. Yeah. Uh, for every Garfield Nathan Masry fan, there was one internet troll. I don't think that's a one-to-one -one ratio. Whoever's writing this article. Yeah, I don't know if whoever's writing this article has all the facts. Okay, so I pulled up the article, which is called The Rise of QMR, semicolon, The Fall of QSR. This, this came out in December 2019, so this is right around when he's losing the license. Oh, neat. It is time to foster deep relationship with consumers. Users first that are potential consumers second in the digital ecosystem and not transactions. Well, good news. You really didn't have that many transactions at your restaurant. So if you're worried about too many transactions, it's that is not a concern for you. I mean, I think we already have a word for con users and it's users of social media. Well, don't we already have a word for con users, which is consumers? Users that consume something are called consumers i mean i guess what he's going for is i, I am ex really stretching the limits of my uh logical what's it called concessions here i know but i think what he's saying is he wants to create so you know how those play, pay to win games they get you by letting you like play a little bit first and then yeah. after you get hooked on it they're like okay now if you want the number of gems to go to the next level you gotta you gotta cough up some dough i think that's what he's saying or what he's relating garfield eats to like he wants people to care more about his shitty like fruit ninja clone that he had on the original app and the social media portion with poop swap stickers on it and then eventually they will convert to pizza eating customers but i mean like i'm saying i don't even know what words are coming out of my mouth right now they're just kind of spilling out he wants users that then become consumers yeah 
Well, those are called consumers, though. It's like, why would you want a consumer? A consumer is using your thing. Yeah, I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know why I'm going this far to defend Nathan. It's a stupid fucking idea. Keep going. I just wanted to say the word consumer. Consumers. Oh, there's a thing in this article called the Masri Entergagement Formula. Total entergagement equals parentheses reactions plus views plus clicks and parentheses divided by time multiplied by average retail price. This makes no sense. Oh, wait, look yeah. At, Hang on, look at it. I'm yeah. Look at it. Let me let me see this formula. Okay. So our formula entergagement equals reactions views clicks clicks are reactions yeah i don't know you how to say engagements divided by time multiplied by but where the money. time of what like time it took you to create the campaign or time the campaign was out or i assume he means view time like for a video like time views that doesn't make any sense because views relates to a video but there's nothing inherent to this formula that says this is about a video because clicks like you could click on an article how do you track how long somebody sat and read an article for that's true so i'm thinking it's like time that it was just out in the ether or something like time like i put i make a post on twitter right now and five minutes later the time would be five minutes because it has been just in it, it made its way from my brain to the world in five minutes <laughs> for five minutes could time be the time it took to make the thing that's what i said first well, then I agree with you now that I've thought of it. <laughs> Times. Now, here's the real problem that I have here is average retail price of what? <laughs> of what? Average retail price of what? Of a Garfield-shaped pizza, dumbass. So what the hell do you think we've been talking about this all time? So are we saying that everybody that views a video will buy a Garfield-shaped <laughs> pizza? Not everybody. Users won't. And consumers will. But consumers might. Oh, okay. So it's like a Venn diagram. We have consumers over here, users over here, and in the middle we got consumers who might buy a pizza. These definitely will. These definitely won't. No, these... <laughs> no, these might. These will. These miter. Miter? In the middle. The consumers are halfway down the funnel from user to consumer. I don't think we need a middle state, middleman in the funnel, but okay. Yeah, no shit, we don't need a middle state for this. <laughs> Average retail price, $29.99. Okay, let's see if we can apply the Masri engagement formula to the loudest podcast. Okay, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. All right, reactions. Okay, so when we post something on YouTube, like one of our episodes on YouTube, gets a bunch of thumbs... Gets a bunch of comments. Those are reactions. Those are reactions. But how are we going to differ? Okay, views, obviously, the number of views on the video. Exactly. Reactions. Thumbs up. Thumbs up plus comments. Okay. What are we considering clicks, then? But here's the thing. You have to click to view something, and you have to click to react to something. You have to click to post a comment. So good news. It's like all reactions and views count as clicks, so we could kind of double count our reactions and views. So... The episode of The Loudest Podcast that is all eight hours of the Nathan Masry story has 1,000 views, 20 comments, 40 thumbs up. Okay. So that's 1,000, and then you had to click to view it, so that's 1,000 views and 1,000 clicks, so that's 2,000 clicks. <coughs> the reactions, uh, uh, 20 comments, 40 thumbs up, 60, 60 times 2, because you have to click is 120. 2,240 divided by time. Well, it's eight hours long. 
You multiplied a- by the average retail price, and the average retail price of our product is two dollars. No, but because the- it's a, you have to for two dollars, you you become a patron. Fucker, PEMDAS. This is like every fight that everybody gets on Facebook. No, because these are in parentheses. You I need know. To- I was about to. I'm I'm laying out all the integers first. I haven't even gotten to order of operations then yet. Then why are you multiplying time times retail price already? Well, because-, because we because honestly, we need that number to divide one number by the other. Yeah, we need the, in parentheses, what's the total number in parentheses? 2,240. Wait a minute, listeners. I just realized that I just completely right. Yes. <laughs> what are you doing? No, 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 no. I, I came out. You're right and I'm wrong. It's Okay, it's 2,240. Divided by the time. Divided by eight hours. So 2,240 divided by eight. Div- multiplied by the actual re- average retail price. Which is two because uh, the average retail price of our product is $2. Patreon.com slash $2. Just $2. You have that in your goddamn couch. Dig around under your, the, 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 the floor mats of your mom's car. Get $2. You'll get amazing bonus episodes. Over 100 hours worth of bonus content that you get immediately. Yeah, and then, honestly, if you're an adult, you don't have $2. That's kind of a Embarrassing. Yeah, I know. Like, you should have $2. Yeah, we're kind of talking to kids. Well, if you're a teenager listening to this, it's kind of embarrassing if you don't have $2 either. What the hell? Like, go outside, ask your mom what you could do for chores. You could go rake some leaves. You'll have enough podcast money to buy yourself like three months of last month. $6. Exactly. <laughs> all right, so add all that up and subtract it and divide it. I don't think I will. Here you go. What the? Why did we do this? I don't know. Well, I'll do it real quick. Do it. 2,240 divided by 8 times 2 equals 560. Now, what's the unit on that? Engagement points? It's the total engagement. The total engagement of our 8-hour David Masry episode is 540. Okay, well, that is a meaningless number. <laughs> Thank no, you. there's got to be something in this article that tells me what to do with this number. Okay, right, yeah, I'm sure on. there will be. <laughs> Garfield Eats app enables you to watch, play, order, read, collect, redeem, track, manage, chat, share, and much more. All in one app. We call it Entergaging. Youth is a liability. No, it does not tell me what to do with the number. I'm, I really thought it would tell me what to do with the number. I was going to say, it's glad that we spent this. I'm going to make my own conversion formula. And Nathan, I'm going to write it in a way that we win and you lose. Would you, I mean, if you want, you, you could tell it. So what's the Sarantia engagement formula? The Sarantia engagement formula is parenthesis, number of Instagram likes, Plus, number of real views minus the number of followers that you bought for yourself. <laughs> On Instagram. And all of that is in parentheses, right? Okay. So you have to M-dos. Yeah, multiply it, and then you subtract. Like, don't motherfucker think you can subtract that first. You go to the negative. We don't know. No, 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 no. You can't multiply your views by your actual number of followers. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. Hold on. I was right. PEMDAS, parentheses. Now, that's the first thing I did. Well, that's how I got to the number 2,240. Yes. Then, multiplication. Then division. PEMDAS, P-E-M, multiplication, D, division. Oh, shit. I think you might be right. I, <laughs> right. I, I knew I should have stuck to my guns. Welcome back to your third grade math lesson. I was right. I was right the whole time. P-E-M. Okay, maybe we're right. What does the E stand for? Exponents. Yeah. Uh-huh. There are no... 
I think you your your formula should have eight exponents. Wait, there's no P E E is exponent. Right, P parentheses. Do anything in the parentheses first. Exponent. If there is an exponent on the parentheses, then you put it in there. Right, because otherwise, what would you be applying that exponent to? You'd be right. applying it to like a theoretical non-number. Multiplication, division, addition, addition subtraction. subtraction. Okay, all right, now we get it. I was right. I think you were right, yeah. Wait, this changes everything. <laughs> Hold on. Now let me find out what the true engagement number is. Okay. I don't think Nathan knew that, though, so I think I'm still right. <laughs> 8 times 2 is 16. So, 2240 divided by 16. Oh, our engagement number is much lower. We have a paltry 140 on the Masary engagement scale. That's fucking pathetic. We got Get this engagement number up. We gotta get those numbers. That's a rookie number. Everybody starts sending that YouTube episode of the eight hours of Nathan Mathry to your mom and dad. Text it to them. Text it to them and put it in your family group chat. Tell them it'll help you get into college if you they put a comment on it and make it funny. Yeah, exactly. Here's what I want you to do, kids. Chromecast into like the TV in your science classroom and just play that thing on loop overnight over the weekend. Here's what I want everybody doing. Hack into the weird Chromecast that you find at McDonald's and stuff and just start playing this eight hour episode. We've got to get our engagement number up. These are rookie numbers. You got to use that uh, extension that those K-pop fans made that like auto replays uh, a YouTube video or a music video when it comes out like over and over and over again. They just leave it on when they're sleeping. <laughs> with the volume turned off that way they wake up and their their favorite uh, girl group has an extra thousand views how do we get our own army of k-pop stands without making the music or being young koreans i was gonna say the first step is you have to become a young korean man okay, is there is, can we do any is there any way we can skip that uh, I guess I could be Jimin, but I don't look too much like Jimin. You look just like Jimin. You look better than Jimin. Thank you, Jimin. You're welcome, you Jimin. Get to be, you get to be, oh, what's the other members? Taeyoung. <laughs> I don't know any other BTS. You poor thing. J-Hope. Well, the only, look, the only time it's fun to talk about BTS is when there's a BTS meal right in front of us. I was just thinking about that. Damn, oh. this episode's making me hungry already. Oh my God. All right, getting back to this main article... All right, so the author of this article blames, quote, rampant communications like this self-published essay, which argues that Garfield is loved by all ages, gender, and race. That's really not the point of that essay. I didn't even find that line in that essay. I mean, like, yeah, okay, who cares? So there's other things that are loved by all genders, ages, and race, like, I don't know, McDonald's. What the author is trying to get at is, like, Nathan Master was saying weird stuff about Garfield's gender and race, and it's like, no, At he wasn't. Not. At least not here, he wasn't. Like, if you want to see Nathan Masry doing something weird about, like, gender and race and sexuality, talk about how Nathan Masry flipped a fucking tit when Superman's bisexual kid kissed him. Yeah, who wrote this article? We have a whole episode about him fucking busting a grape over gay people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that, was, that had nothing to do with Garfield. That was a different weird incident. <laughs> yeah, get the, it right. Detractors called Garfield Eats a, quote, orange hellscape. Taking to Reddit to label Masri as, quote, delusional, a, quote, bizarre train wreck, and someone who, quote, reads too much Forbes magazine. Now, let me see if any of these are things that we said. I know Orange Hellscape is Strange Aeons. Right, exactly. Bizarre train wreck. 
Well, these were all just Reddit comments. Yeah. Who cares what Redditors say? I care what the loudest podcast says. This wasn't driven by the Garfield Elite's brand per se, but by Masri's outspoken response to fairly standard criticism on YouTube and social media. Okay, that is true. And also lies, just like saying lies yeah, <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> now Masri and his fans are engaged in a constant crusade against Viacom CBS. They're on my case, he says. They have their legal department after me every single fucking day. The veracity of that is unclear. <laughs> Matthew has confirmed that he owes substantial money in licensing fees and has faced numerous copyright disputes since his license was terminated. The most recent example is his line of Garfield Eats NFTs, which he says were yanked from OpenSea following a directive from Viacom. Upon speaking to Masri, it's clear that his campaign against Viacom is no ordinary business dispute. To Masri, the Garfield Eats saga represents more than just another business venture tanked by the pandemic. It's an attack on his character. A slap in the face. Right, yeah, I'd say that the Nathan Masri Viacom dispute is not a normal business dispute in the same way that if I had a one-sided business dispute with, I don't know, Pepsi, it also would not be a normal business dispute because I have no normal business disputes involve two parties that regularly uh, consensually interact with each other. <laughs> Or at least getting something from each other. This would be like me being like, I have a business dispute with Netflix because I stopped paying my Netflix bill and now my Netflix account don't work no more. This is actually like, I have a dispute with Netflix because I want to be on Bridgerton and I sent them a video of me pretending to be a hoity-toity British person and they did not respond and also I'm suing them for not putting me on Bridgerton. So this, so what you're telling me is that Russell Greer has actually been in a business dispute with Taylor Swift. And several, in fact. And several hookers. <laughs> <laughs> Take, for example, the syntactic mechanics with which Masri speaks about his experience with Viacom. He relies heavily on personal pronouns. Instead of referencing the restaurant or Garfield Eats, he refers to himself. To hear him tell it, the Garvey Leeds fan base was, at its core, a Nathan Masry fan base. Conversely, you'll never hear him say that Viacom had it out for Garfield Eats. Quote, from day one, Viacom CBS was threatened by me, he says. Oh, yeah, because that's how all crazy people see themselves. Like, narcissistic, crazy people who open businesses. They think that, like, individual people. that That's the entire, like, genesis of his whole Google reviews thing. He's like, Google reviews, there are not people that are just eating at the restaurant and don't like it. They're people that fucking hate me, Nathan Masry. And are trying to, to like destroy my livelihood and like de deprive me of the ability to make a living. Right, yeah. like he thinks we want him dead, which is fascinating to me because Nathan, do not die. You need to keep creating content for this program. We had a whole other thing planned for this episode. We just ended up we're talking about Nathan Masry for an hour just because that's what happens when we start talking about Nathan Masry. It's true. He's like, oh my God, maybe it is a cult of personality, but it's just not a good one <laughs> it's like if everybody instead of worshiping jesus thought he was dumb but they still like followed everything he said and did i don't mean like followed his tennis i mean like how we follow like will smith and chris but we were also supposed to talk about that like an hour ago the apology oh, of the week yeah no i think it's really really great how like it, we're all following nathan masry like we kind of followed paris hilton yes back in the early but that did flip around like uh, we went so far that now paris hilton and like the say the simple life is what's it called not tacky 
but uh, gauche, no. gauche, what's it called? Not, it's not gauche. No, trendy? it's not. Not trendy. Uh, the one where it's tacky, but in a fun way. Oh, uh, campy. Campy, yes. Well, in, look, in my opinion, no, now we all kind of feel bad for Paris Hilton. Because like now, like with 20 years of distance, we were like, oh, that girl's sex tape got leaked. And we kind of put her on TV and called her dumb. Yeah, we called her dumb up. for like 10 years. She was like a teenage, like we found a teenage girl all gawked at her sex tape, but then called her stupid for a decade. And now we feel bad because, like, there was recently a documentary about Paris Hilton that was just, like, from Paris's perspective. Oh, dude, I watched that. Yeah. I watched that. Did you see the most, my favorite part of it? Or not my favorite part. This is actually pretty fucked up. Is uh, her parents, she was doing something. Like, she was doing typical teenage activities, I think. I don't know. think there was a more insidious uh, impetus of this. But her parents decided, like, you're you're too wild. You got you to gotta get out of here. Like, you got to go to the teenager camp where they beat some discipline into you. Uh-huh. But in California, you can't force a child to go because kids have rights in California. California. However, they do not have rights in like Utah. I remember this now. Keep going. So to stop her from running and getting away, the parents would have to arrange a time to like jump their kid in their own home so they could be shipped away. And the apparently, allegedly, according to Paris Hill in this camp that her parents were shipping off to her, her were like, yeah, we need to basically abduct your kid. Uh, we don't want you to be home during this because the kids are going to like cry and scream and then you might feel bad and then we might like not get our money. So arrange a time for us to just basically fucking kidnap your kid. And that's legal because they're uh, going to another state and the parents are authorizing it. Is yeah. that fucked? Yeah. It's real fucked. Yeah, see, that's what we think of Paris Hilton now. Wow, maybe in 20 years we'll all be like, wow, that Nathan Masry guy, remember him? Right, like remember maybe- the guy that suicide bombed that corporate headquarters? We all feel kind of bad for him now. You know, I'm like, maybe in 10 years we'll find out he had like a rare form of brain worms or something, and then none of this was his fault. And his dad actually did, and he like found a, he, he like found Nazi gold or something, and he just didn't want to tell us because he's too much of a hero. Oh, man. Imagine that. Hey, hold on one second. I'm going to hit stop on this recording. If there are brain worms, we have to make sure they never get cured. We need him crazy for this content. Oh, those brain worms are decades away from being cured. Okay, good. All right. Is there any chance we can, like, feed the brain worms and, like, make them go nuttier? Like, maybe, like, you know how, like, in Ghostbusters 2, they played music and the slime liked it? I mean, I don't because I've never seen that movie, but I do You've know. You've never seen Ghostbusters 2? I've never seen Ghostbusters 1 So it. You've never seen Ghostbusters? Nope. You'd love Ghostbusters. Oh, really? And I don't think you'd like Ghostbusters too. And I know for a fact that you'd hate the lady Ghostbusters. And I think you'd be bored by Ghostbusters Afterlife. And that's the Sriracha Ghostbusters scale, in my opinion. Well, thank you. Maybe one day. Maybe for your birthday. Watch <laughs> well, Ghostbusters? Yeah, watch all the Ghostbusters. I hate forcing someone to... Here's something that I think you can agree that we never do in our relationship. Only very recently. Maybe the first time in a year. The other day... Because WrestleMania 36 was out, and I sat you down and I said, Sriracha, I'd really like you to watch this Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestling match. Yeah, and I did, and I had a good time. Wasn't that incredible? It was good. I've never seen a man that old get owned that hard. Okay, let's tell people about this wrestling match real quick. Okay, so if people don't know, Stone Cold, 57-year-old Stone Cold Steve Austin, his knees, neck, and back have been fucked for 19 years. One time, Owen Hart just dropped him on his head. Stone Cold Steve Austin is a wrestler. (laughs) He's a wrestler. 
Well, Owen Hart just dropped him on his head and then never really apologized for it. Like, this guy, he drank over 20 beers and beat the absolute living hell out of like a 35-year-old professional wrestling superstar. Yeah, he kind of looked like a basement dwelling nerd and it was a good setup. It was a setup for children, but it was it was funny. It was uh, this guy, Steve Stone Cold Steve Austin, I guess he's Texan. He's from Texas. He's from Texas and Kevin Owens is a French Canadian. And he and Kevin Owens comes on and is like, here's everything I hate about Texas. And they were in Texas and Steve Austin was like, don't you dare talk shit about Texas. I'm going to drink 20 beers. It was amazing. It was so simple. Kevin Owens was just like, I hate Texas. I hate their hats. I hate their phony accents. He said if America was a body, Texas would be the asshole. Which doesn't make sense. It would be the dick, right? Or would that be Florida? No, dick is good. You want to be the dick. I... New York's the dick. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. If he called Texas the dick, Stone Cold Steve Austin would have toasted those beers to him, not poured those beers over his lifeless body right before two Texas Rangers took him away. I don't think that suplexing the uh, announcer was necessary. It was? You mean stunning the announcer? Yes. Everybody's got to eat a stunner. And then <sighs> the next night, Stone Cold Steve Austin gave a stunner to 76-year-old Vince McMahon, a guy who's been on steroids for decades. A guy, like, some, he probably invented certain kinds of steroids inside his body. I bet when you take steroids, they're like pulled out of Vince McMahon's like weird leathery 76-year-old biceps. It's like stem cells, except it's an old guy instead of a fetus. Yeah, roid cells. Okay, gotcha. Exactly. All right, just wrapping up this article. Masry's problem, which is that he wants a lot of attention according to this article and reality, yeah. is the result of our society's insistence that every move be leveraged for profit. You like baking? Quick, better start a baking TikTok. You like Garfield? Great. Get yourself an orange Garfield suit and brand yourself as the Garfield King of Toronto before somebody else does. It's personal branding at its most sinister and it's demanded of anyone in a relatively public-facing field. It's enough to drive the most level-headed... This is... I, one of the things I don't like about this article is like drawing all these like big conclusions and trying to turn Nathan Masri. Really, Nathan Masri's all of us. He's the kid we never gave attention to. Nathan Masri's really the sticky iPad kid of American consumerism. He's one crazy guy that got money from another crazy guy to open a stupid restaurant. Here's what I guess it costs to open up Garfield Eats Dubai. $5,000 to license it. He went to Paws Inc. and he was like, I want to open up a restaurant in Dubai. And Paws Inc. was like, okay, no one will ever hear of that. <laughs> Absolutely. You want to open up a restaurant in Zimbabwe or Papua New Guinea while you're at it? Like, it seemed, and he was just like, here's five grand. I'm guessing the, the original license fee was ludicrously low. I mean, yeah, maybe I'm picking too hard at this article that somebody got paid 150 bucks for an afternoon to write. But, like, I, I reject this premise that Nathan, like, really loves Garfield and he, like, grew up with Garfield. I know that's what he says. Of course. But I reject the premise that Nathan, like, grew up with Garfield and was his dad was like, you do something that you love, Nathie boy, and then you'll never work a day in your life. And he was like, I want to make a Garfield. I think Nathan sat down and was like, people are fucking stupid. And they're in his brain. He says, people are dumb and they will buy anything with a cartoon character attached to it. What is an easy cartoon character to license? Garfield. I'm going to make a bitch load of money. Like, I think money was the root of this idea. I don't think Garfield was. Of course. Of course it was. I think Nathan just, like, cold-called all these people, found the cheapest cartoon character they could get, 
Garfield. Went with Garfield. Because he literally talks about that in his uh, Arabologist book or his marketing book or whatever. He's like, the consumer is both stupid and smart. They need new ideas to distract. Like, he, he talks about people as a buying entity in a way that, like, a seventh grader would. <laughs> Yeah, here in this article, it says, quote, he also grew up a fan of the Garfield and Friends TV show, singing along to the opening credits with his friends and siblings. Absolutely false. Because when I started singing the Garfield and Friends theme song to him when we interviewed him on the Loudest Podcast, he had no idea what I was singing. And when I suggested that he use that theme song instead of Earth Angel, he was confused. Well, if he really watched this cartoon, he would know that it would make a much better song because that song slaps. Right, like I can think of... Uh Themes from childhood cartoons that I don't even remember the actual show. So I feel like I could remember. If I was seriously that devoted to Garfield and Friends, I would be able to remember the theme song 10 years later. What's one cartoon or TV show's theme song that, like, you really like? Uh, there's a show about, like, a guy that drives a giant robot, and the theme song goes like, You dig giant robot? I can hear it in my head. I forget what it's called. It's like Megaforce or something. Oh, yeah, it's like, I dig giant robots we dig giant robots i think that is a really good theme song and i think the hamtaro theme song really sticks in your head can i hear it snoozer penelope panda howdy oxnard bijou and boss let's go yeah see i can i don't know all the characters names but i can rattle off that theme song like it's nobody's business wow little hamsters big adventures ham ham hamtaro aww All right, let me just get to the, let me go to the very last paragraph of this article. Okay, then look, I will say, I think a lot of this article is crap. I think a lot of this article is a reach. There is some brand new information in here. Awesome. Like, okay, they tried to renegotiate the license with him in 2019 and they pulled it in 2020. That's interesting. Means they like talked with him first. Means they weren't just like, oh, you're gross. Like, I'm guessing that came down to money. All right, the money, the and originally the money for this came from Pascal Hyder. Allegedly. Oh, sweet Pascal Hyder. Yikes. Like, apparently Pascal Hyder worked for PayPal, so I guess he just had, like, a bunch of money, and he met, like, some, like, charming guy and kind of got rooked by this charming guy. I and mean, now I... this charming guy is, like, talking a ream of shit about him on Discord to teenagers? I guess so. Poor Pascal. I never thought I'd say this, but poor Pascal. Yeah, I kind of feel bad. It's it's like, I don't necessarily feel bad for his parents if he ended up wasting his parents' money. It's like, that's what we do. We waste our parents' money. I went to college. Like, that was a huge waste. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of your parents. Even as an adult, it's your parents' job to tell you, no, you're being fucking stupid. Yeah, exactly. Who is Masri now that he's been forced to cede his Garfield King title? He doesn't know yet. He's Nathan Field, actually. (laughs) This article is already out of date (laughs) because Nathan Field launched. Fuck this article. Fuck this article. Fuck this. He's joining director Ewan Gottfried as the executive producer of an upcoming Garfield documentary. He's also launching EGs, a digital platform that he calls the world's first marketplace for certified licensed products. He launched that years ago. Oh, wait. Isn't he doing like weed deodorant now or something? Let me see if they talk about the weed deodorant. No, they don't talk about the weed deodorant. Quote, I was in the middle of an identity crisis, Masri explains. The detachment of Garfield that has burdened me. I'm grieving. Maybe I've learned to never, ever get attached to a place, person, or thing. Maybe I've learned the power of detachment. Oh, cry me a fucking river. Yeah. This look, look, maybe I'll... 
I got hurt once. I guess I can never love again. Oh, won't you feel sorry for me? I didn't have enough money to pay Viacom to renew my license. Yeah, Nathan, your kid didn't die. Chill out. You just ran out of money. It's fine. It happens to the best of us. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I've learned the power of detachment. Nothing's ever gonna go right for me. Well, yeah, unless you like sit down and like think about things before you throw money at them. Usually, no, it doesn't. Before you throw other people's money at them, just go license Heathcliff like we've been telling you to do for three fucking years. Yeah, Jesus. For the love of God, you open up a newspaper. Zits. You remember the cartoon Zits? Vaguely, yes. It's about that teenager and he's annoys his parents. Uh, go make Zits ziti. Go make uh, Andy Capolini. Holy shit. Holy shit. Okay. What do you got? Alternative news, which Na- we know Nathan loves. Uh-huh. Branded by Zits. <laughs> we could have like comic strips about how Joe Biden needs kids or something. Okay. So it's like the Zits guy telling you that like Hunter Biden is the reason Ukraine has these bio labs. Right. Like one of the Zits comics will be Jeremy. I think the kid's name is Jeremy. Yeah, Opening up yeah. the paper will be like, wow, Hunter Biden's giving out free crack pipes with our tax dollars. Yes. And then the fat last panel is just that little kid. Oh, wait, no, that's Foxtrot. <laughs> the glasses. No, let's get the fox truck kid in there too. That's fine. Cross-branding. The kid's like, yeah, Hunter Biden is using all of your tax dollars. They're taking it directly from our boys in blue and <laughs> giving them to crack pipes. Just the crack pipes themselves are getting the money. They're not buying them. They're just giving them two crack pipes. And what if we get Slylock Fox in on the deal and it's like, can you find Hunter Biden's laptop? Like, There's like a pile of crack pipes. There's like a Romanian hooker over here. Can you find what's really going on at our southern border? <laughs> All right, we'll be right back after this with more uh, with the Apology of the Week. (laughs) Final segment. All right, Apology of the Week week. for real this time. Uh, This segment dedicated to Prep Boy Rick. Prep Boy Rick, out. (laughs) That's what he says, right? That is what he says. On the off chance people don't know, Sriracha, what happened at the Oscars? Okay, what happened at the Oscars? And uh, you're welcome for not making jokes about this on the internet. I am better than this whole thing. I'm better than it. But this Apology of the Week, that's kind of our shtick. So that's why we're engaging with it. Um, Chris Rock made a joke about Will Smith's wife who has, what is it, alopecia? Yeah, Will Smith's wife is like bald. She's got fucky uppy hair disease that makes her bald. And Chris Rock said something like, I can't wait for G.I. Jane 2. And Will Smith, like, apropos of that joke, gets up on stage and, like, slaps the shit out of him. Just slaps him across the face. And Chris Rock is saying, he's like, wow, Will Smith just came up and slapped the shit out of me. And everybody in the audience is, like, looking at him, like, oh, like, because they don't know if it's a bit. I thought it was a bit. I did, too. And, um... Then Will Smith screams, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. And then he gets a little like, it was a G.I. Jane joke, dude. Keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. Damn, okay, I'm going to. <laughs> I had to watch it from like uh, the Japanese stream of it because the American one was censored. You couldn't see like the real <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. I, the Japanese stream of it was incredible. Um, it's the most important thing to have happened in 2022. In our culture. The most important thing to happen at the Oscars in the last 10 years. <laughs> it's funny because what was it that you told me? Uh, yeah, we were talking about this the day after it happens. And I was like, yeah, it's crazy because if this didn't happen, I would not have had any idea that the Oscars were occurring. The most important awards in fact. All right. Well, anyway, so. Yeah, Will movies S- are very important. Mysterious. So Will Smith wrote the apology 
Well, first he gave an apology, kind of. Like when he, because remember, 10 minutes later, he won an Oscar, which was also hysterically funny. Chad as fuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then he like apologized in general, but he like didn't apologize specifically to Chris Rock. The guy he slapped. What is Chris Rock like almost 60? I have no Chris idea. Chris Rock is almost, he like slapped like a guy who's like going to be a senior citizen in a couple I of I mean, years. Will Smith is pushing it too. But I'm just saying like, it's okay, look, I guess if an old man slaps another old man, it's, then I'm worried about both of them because I'm like, you might break your hand, oldie. Yeah. All right, so Will Smith writes on Instagram, violence in all its forms is poisonous and destructive. True. Okay. My behavior at last night's Academy Awards was unacceptable and inexcusable. Jokes at my expense are part of the job. But a joke about Jada's medical condition was too much for me to bear, and I reacted emotionally. All right, you're up. You're mansplaining the slap here. We know why he did it. Yes, exactly. You're sorry. Just say you're sorry. Don't be like, I'm sorry. But you did joke about my wife's medical condition. And you absolutely did deserve it. Like, yeah, I'm sorry I smacked the show you. Well, you made fun of my wife. Oh, no. Alopecia. It's it's bad. I don't want it. Do you want it? I don't know what it is. You, you don't want it. Okay. It's not cancer. It's like, not cancer. When you can- talk about, like, quote, my wife's medical condition, you better be talking about cancer or AIDS. Yeah. And not like, my wife's hangnail. She got a real bad hangnail. Her peak got an ouchie. Cancer, uh, AIDS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. That's the three things we're not allowed to make fun of. Yeah. <laughs> my wife. It's like, okay, yeah. Look, it, I'll, yes, it's bad. Alpish is bad. You know what my least favorite part of this whole slapping thing is? Is not the thing that it occurred or that it was like so heavily, like instantly worn out as a meme. But the fact that everybody, it's like every time something like this happens, everybody has to like clutch their pearls and be like, I'm against violence. Am I the only one who thought it was fucking funny? Like, am I the only one who was willing to come out and admit, yeah, that was hysterical? Of course it was funny. It was great. It's the best thing that's happened to me in 2022, seeing it. I'm just saying, don't hide behind your wife. Just slap the guy and move on. The Chad move would be to not apologize. The Chad move would have been to just, like, leave the Oscars after that. Yeah, exactly. Not stick around to get your little magic trophy after you just beat the shit. Not beat the shit out of a guy, but you were like, you made such an inacceptable comment about my wife that I must take my glove off and throw it at you, sir. And then you're just going to go accept there's no statue. Fuck you, leave. Let you leave. After that point, why'd they let him stay? <laughs> Apparently they asked him to leave and he was just like, no. And they were like, okay. Okay, great. Which is weird. Awesome. It's like, the fuck kind of bouncer she... This is a room full of millionaires and multi-millionaires. Like, there's not one big bouncer named Freddie who could kick Will Smith out. See, I imagine the big bouncers are to keep the poor out outside, but the bouncers inside are, like, so afraid of anything. Like, if we break this guy's hands, it's insured for $1,000 million. So we can't can't lay a fucking finger on anyone in here. I guess. All right, so back to the apology. But a joke about Jada's medical condition was too much for me to bear. Too much for me to bear. Ooh, it was oh, too much. I saw my whole life ending. I would like to publicly apologize to you, Chris. There we go. There we go. I was out of line and I was wrong. I am embarrassed and my actions are not indicative of the man I want to be. But don't you kind of want to be the guy that would slap a guy who insulted your wife? 
I mean, I, it's like if one thing is true, shouldn't the other part be true too? How I sleep at night is that somebody like really held his hand and wrote this out because I don't think he regrets shit. I don't think so. Here's what I think he regrets. The fact that Bad Boys 4 is now in production hold. And there was a, he has another movie with Netflix that's called like Hide and Seek or, or Run and Hide or something that's also on hold. Like uh. He's on this apology tour because after he slapped Chris Rock, some of his projects were put into jeopardy. That is, that, yeah, I guess so. It's fickle. What will ruin your career and what won't. <laughs> Because remember, after the slap, he was like dancing his ass off at the Vanity Fair after party. So he didn't, he doesn't regret this. He thinks it was based. Oh, no, I think it was based too. Well, of course. It, then put that out. Go. Slapping Chris Rock was super duper based. You insulted my wife. Nobody do that or I'll yeah. slap you too. I would like to apologize that you're such a big bitch that you had to go after my fucking wife. Fuck you, buddy. That would be the apology. I yeah. Respect. Exactly. I would also like to apologize to the Academy, the producers of the show, all the attendees, and everyone watching around the world. Oh, you apologize to us? All the people watching around the world. Yeah, all like four of them that knew this was happening before you beat the shit out of us. <laughs> <laughs> what was I going to say? Yeah, fuck you. This is also like, oh my God. Yeah, we got to get some good old Academy, classic Academy dick slobbering in there. Like this event is so important. It's basically the equivalent of interrupting the inauguration of the president. I cannot believe I disgraced our Academy by acting so foolishly. Like, fuck you, dude. This is the equivalent of just somebody getting hit at a nightclub, which happens every week, every second of every hour in Philadelphia. Like, it's not that big of a deal. I'm amazed this hasn't happened sooner. Because Ricky Gervais, like, during the Golden Globes, he's just, he might as well just be calling people the C word. He'll, he'll just be up there and he'll be like, Meryl Streep. She's a right old seaweed, isn't she? And then people go, oh. And it's like, if you were going to slap anyone in the face, like, Ricky Gervais has so much extra face. He probably wouldn't even feel it until like a minute or two later. Speaking of extra face, did anybody hit Michael Moore after he was like, I don't think we should be bombing the Middle East, like 2003 or whatever? Oh, right, when he was like, the Iraq war is a bad idea and everybody booed him. Yes. Did anybody hit him during that? I deeply regret that my behavior has stained what has been an otherwise gorgeous journey for all of us within the King Richard family. I am a work in progress. I don't know that many 65-year-old millionaires that are like looking to improve and grow. Like, If you're Will Smith, if you're the Fresh Prince... You think you're awesome and everything you do is awesome. I don't know. I'm going, I'm reneging on the, that I don't like the, I'm learning or I'm growing as a person. That's actually, we need to keep that around because when you or I inevitably get canceled, we're going to need something to end our statement with. Like, you know how uh, we can't get rid of that because then how do you end your apologies? You just go up there. It's the equivalent of, you know, in school when you'd have to do a presentation yet don't know how to end it. So you say, so yeah, and then go sit down. Like, we, we're not going to have a wrap-up sentence anymore if we There's, get rid of that. No, no, no. The better wrap-up sentence is, I'm going to try not to do this again. I mean, you got to- I might. You got to say, like, yeah, I'm going to anger management or something, even if it's not true. Yeah, like, there, you, that's a much better ending. You have to have an actionable step that you're taking yes. to not slap the next host that makes fun of your bitch-ass wife. Yes, ex yes, exactly. You know what? That's, that's, that's exactly what you should have said. You should have said- I'm seeking counseling and anger management. And even if it's not, what are you going to do, Chuck? Yeah, what are you going to do, Chuck? <laughs> Closing thoughts. What do you think is apology of the week? Do you think it's effective? Do you think it's genuine? Most importantly, 
Do you think it'll work? Okay, well, first off, let's just get the easy one off the bat. Do I think it's genuine? Absolutely the fuck not. Yeah, of course no, not. I think that he got in trouble and his like Netflix or whoever was like, you are going to apologize, which honestly I kind of respect because if I hit somebody and I was like, absolutely that bitch deserved it. And Netflix was like, if you do not apologize to who would I hit? Bernadette Peters. If you do not apologize for punching Bernadette Peters, then we are not going to play your television show. I would be like, you know what? Fair enough. I'm so sorry. I hate it. Like, yeah, no, I'll just say anything for money. So sure. <laughs> Second of all, do I think that it will work? Maybe. Because I don't think anybody's going to remember this like two months from now. Oh, I think it'll one. Okay, first off, I don't know why you're hitting Bernadette Peters. She's based. She's annoying. She's an incredible singer, dancer, actress. Hater books. And I think her face is Why annoying. are you reading Bernadette Peters' book? You're supposed to be enjoying her Broadway antics, not her literary antics. Well, I hate her. I think her face is ugly, and I don't want to see it in anything ever again. Have you ever seen 1970s or 80s Bernadette Peters? No. That's what we're all thinking when we look at her. Okay, well, I'm thinking wikipedia.com, Bernadette Peters. Wikipedia.org, Bernadette Peters. Okay. How do you even know? Wait, why are you? Wait, why are you reading Bernadette Peters' books? Does your mom read them? No, it's children's books about a dog. It goes to Hollywood. And also, she was in that movie with Steve Martin, and it sucked. Which one? The Jerk. You didn't like The Jerk? No. I yeah. thought she was annoying in that one. No, that's fine. I mean, I like The Jerk, but if someone didn't like it, I'm like, yeah, no, I get it. No celebrities' children's books are good. It's weird that you're singling out. Are you jealous of Bernadette Peters? This is coming from somewhere. Why would I be jealous you of a 70-year-old? You spot it. You got it. Why, wait, I'm sorry. What did you say? Why would I be jealous of a 70-year-old? I mean, I'm not saying you're jealous of her accumulated years, but she was a movie star, dancer, actor, Broadway maven. She was a Broadway baby. If you sat me down and you were like, Sarancha, would you rather have a role on a performance in like, I don't know, not Broadway because I can't sing, but I don't know, a play, the Sydney Opera House or something. You want to be in a play or do you want to just nail Bernadette Peters like right across the face? I would have to sit down and think about it. All right. What about this? Okay. <laughs> okay. You can nail Bernadette Peters across the face or... A real-life baby Yoda walks into the room, and you get to punt them like a football. Oh, that's tough. Oh, that's tough. I will meet you in the middle. I will concede that I get to... St Bernadette Peters stubs her toe hard, but I don't play a role in it. Does that count? Okay. And I get to punt the baby Yoda. It's one or the other. What no. the hell are you talking about? You okay. can't have any Bernadette Peters. Really? Okay, no, but I'm not doing it. I'm not the one doing it. She's stubbing her she's hoe really her, hard. She's in her 70s. She stubbed her toe twice today. Okay, well, her she's... Feet, her feet don't work no more. She stubs her toe so hard it breaks. That can happen. It probably has happened. And I get to, like in that uh, movie with Jason Sudeikis in it, I get to punch the baby Yoda. How about this? You can slap them both Will Smith style. By the way, do you notice he like kind of only slapped Chris Rock with like just the tips of his fingers? That was a really good slap because it looked like he did not hurt at all. That slap was only to wound Chris Rock's pride. I mean, yeah, the pictures that you see of it, it looks like a fake slap. Like he's going like, like you, a mid shot of a sports right. event going on. Exactly. Or like they're both actors. Yeah. <laughs> both done stage combat i gotta learn to slap like will smith did again it clearly left no damage except to his ego 
that's the slap. That's the type. That's the equivalent of like beating your kid with a hose. So it doesn't leave bruises when they go to school. Yeah, or beating your kid with a phone book. So it doesn't leave bruises when they go to school. Yeah, exactly. Should we be teaching our listeners how to beat their kids without leave? That's it for the loudest podcast. Oh, also, Will Smith will be fine. His move now. People will be even more excited about his movies. And next year at the Oscars, they're gonna hug. Will Smith will be back. That's it for the live podcast. We love you. Uh, anything else, Rancha? No, I just think that it's, I think that was a good way to mosey on into the dusty trail, the sunset, wrap it up. I can't wait to never talk about Will Smith again. Yeah, that was it. And we, we even talked about it way more than I was planning on originally talking about him. If you want to leave a voicemail about Will Smith or anything else, you call 848-863-5343 or you email theloudestpodcast at gmail.com. Next week, we will be hearing more of my top 100 things. So stay tuned to be continued. Sorry we couldn't get to them all today, kids. We love you. We'll talk to you later. Bye.